Good morning. How's everybody doing? Amen. Excited to be here. I am so glad that you're here. I'm Jeremy, one of the pastors here. I want to encourage you to grab your Bibles and meet me in Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1 is where you're going to find me. If you don't have a Bible, that's all right. We have you covered. Feel free to raise your hand. One of the ushers will get one to you in just a moment. Also, feel free to grab your electronic device, your phone, your iPad, whatever you use to track along with the Word of God. Uh, Inside your bulletins are sermon notes. That's a great way to track along with us during the message today. I do want to welcome those joining us online. So glad that you're tuning in with us. Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26, is where we're at. And we're in this four-week series titled Gifts. Last week, we looked at the gift of worship. We looked at the wise men. The first thing that they did when they saw Jesus was that they bowed down and they worshiped him. And we, we looked at the reality that worship flows from a surrendered heart, sacrificial living, and strategic giving. Today, we're looking at the gift of participation as we look at Mary's story. Next week, we're looking at the gift of joy. And then Christmas morning, we're meeting right here, 10 o'clock, a family service, and we're talking about the gift of love. How literally the gift of love, the person of love, was born Christmas morning. Now, speaking of the gift of participation, we stand to honor God's word, but we don't just do it to to honor God's word, and it's not just because we're old school or ultra conservative. We do it because we want to participate in the reading of God's word. So let's stand to participate and read the reading of God's word. Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26. Reads, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. For you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, who has also conceived a son, and is in the sixth month with her who was once called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Heavenly Father, God, right now in this moment, God, we we confess how easy it is to go through the motions. To come and sing and worship and hear a message and not really let the Holy Spirit have his way in our lives. So God, today we, we invite the Holy Spirit to do as he pleases, to move, to inspire, to encourage, to convict in ways that only you can. God, would you speak to our hearts today? Would you give us ears to listen? 
Would you give us a hunger for you and a hunger for your word? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So a little over 20 years ago, I still remember it was a Monday night I got the phone call. But for my friend in college, his name was Chad. He said, Jeremy, you're not going to believe this. I got tickets to the Kings game. The Kings game against the Orlando Magic. And this was the year, it was the rookie year of Shaquille O'Neal, the guy who weighed like 600 pounds, 13 feet tall. Just the giant, one of the best basketball players of all time. He says, Jeremy, you're not gonna believe this. Not only do I have four tickets, but I've got front row seats to the Kings and the Magic. I'll come over, I'll be there in about two hours. You gotta come. Can you make it? And I'll never forget that awkward long pause as I thought about all that I needed to do, the 10-page paper that was due the next day. And after a long pause, I I said, Chad, I'm I'm sorry. Thank you so much for the invitation, but I've got a 10-page paper to to do. I've hardly started it, and I've got to hunker down, and I've got to work on this. Thank you for the invite. If you ever get front row seats again, let me know, right? And And I hung up the phone. Four hours later, I'm pulling out my hair, I could actually grip it at that time. (laughs) And I was saying, what was I thinking? I missed one of the the coolest opportunities of a lifetime. Front row seats, Sacramento Kings, Shaquille O'Neal, and I said, no. You know, to this day, I I don't really regret it that much. But I believe when I I get to the end of my life, I'm not going to regret the opportunities that people gave me. I'm going to regret the opportunities that God gave me. The opportunities to be used by God, the opportunities to be a part of what God's doing, the opportunity where God was moving to get on board. And today we're, we're, we're talking about participating. We're, we're talking about when God gives us opportunities, whether he calls us, whether he chooses us, whether he invites us, whether we just see God moving in a direction, how do we be a part, how do we participate in what God's doing, because in the midst of that, we will experience so much joy, so much satisfaction, so much fulfillment by simply participating with what God's doing. And we're gonna look at Mary's story. What, what did Mary do to participate with God? Five ways to participate in God's plan. They're in your notes. And even as I'm saying this, there's gonna be things that God puts on your heart. Areas where God's been calling you, he's been moving you. Write those down as a reminder so that you can be actively participating in what God's doing. Way number one is simply this. Respond with faith even when you feel afraid. Respond with faith even when you feel afraid. Faith is the word for the year. Faith is our word as a church for 2016. Faith is trusting God in who he is and what he says and what he's doing and what he's promised in his power. Faith is saying, you know what, God? I trust you. I'm banking my life on you. And yet so often we function with the opposite of faith, which is fear. It's it's being afraid. It's being afraid of, of failing It's being afraid of of being rejected. It's being afraid of losing someone. It's being afraid of never getting married, never having a child. It's being uh, afraid of being alone. It's being afraid of answering God and responding to God and God taking us to a place that we don't really want to go. And yet for so many of us, our, our, our life is just consumed 
and driven by fear instead of faith. And if there's something in this story that we see that allowed Mary to participate with joy was that she chose faith instead of fear. I think about what the angel said in this story. The angel says, first of all, that she's highly favored. And in verse 30, it says, the angel said to her, do not be afraid. I love that. Do not be afraid, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Now think with me just for a moment. Put yourself in Mary's shoes. You're 12 to 14 years old. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, an angel Gabriel appears to you and says, Hello. You are highly favored. All right, that in itself would be enough to send me to therapy, right? Just that. But then the angel goes on and says, you're going to conceive. And you're going to bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus. Now, we know from this story that, that Mary responds with faith. But it would have been so easy for her to be afraid. God's calling somebody right now and saying, don't be, afra- don't be afraid to answer that phone right now. Just pick it up. Mary, Mary responded with, with faith. Would have been, it would have been so easy for her to be fearful. It would have been so easy for her to say, but, but what's Joseph going to think? I mean, if, if Mary, if people realized that Mary was pregnant and word got out, people weren't going to believe it was the Holy Spirit. They're going to think that she cheated on her, her person that she was eventually going to get married to. They were betrothed. It was like this legally binding relationship. The only way it could be uh, broken up is if they got divorced or somebody died. Like that they were together. They were committed to each other. And so her chance of, of marrying again was, was out the window. Her chance of uh, Joseph, she's like, is he going to even believe me? What are my parents going to think? What's the city going to think? Like, who's going to provide for me? Not getting married again. And the reality is, back then, the penalty for this was that you would get stoned to death. People would kill you. And even in the midst of all that, the angel's message to Mary was, do not be afraid. And it's the same message that an angel gave to Joseph. Turn back with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 18. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. I love these words, in a dream, often in the Old Testament, you would see God appearing to somebody in a dream, an angel appearing to somebody in a dream. That's what happens in this story. An angel appears to Joseph in a dream and says, do not fear. Those same words that an angel came and spoke to Mary, do not be afraid, Mary. Now it's Joseph. Joseph, do not be afraid because what's going on in your future wife's womb is of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, she didn't cheat on you. Joseph, she didn't have sex with another man. God's doing something radical in her life. 
And yet Joseph could have been consumed with fear. He could have thought, who's, who's going to believe us? Who, who's going to believe me? Like we're going to have a tainted reputation for the rest of our life. People are going to mock us. They're going to gossip about us. We may struggle getting friends. I mean, this was looked down hugely upon in this culture. But once again, these words, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. We see it again later with the shepherds when an angel appears to the shepherds to announce the birth of Jesus. What does the angel say again? Do not be afraid. This is one of these messages in this story that we have to have faith in God when God's moving and do not fear. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Let me ask you, how different would your life be if you weren't consumed with fear? If you weren't afraid of what people thought? If you weren't afraid of losing someone or something? If you weren't afraid of a health issue? If you weren't afraid of your finances? If you weren't afraid of the future, how different would your life be if you said, God, I want to choose to live by faith instead of fear? I mean, here's, here's Mary. Mary's saying, God, I can trust you to work out every challenge, every obstacle, every problem I will ever encounter in my life because that's what faith says. God, all these details, you're, you're going to take care of them but I just wanna trust you. I wanna put my faith in you. You know, David, in Psalm 34, verse four, put it this way. He said, I sought the Lord, and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. That's what God does. God can deliver us from all of our fears. And here's one of the greatest miracles in all the scripture. It's the virgin birth. Luke's writing about it. Luke's a doctor. Luke believed that, that Mary was a virgin, that it was conceived by the Holy Spirit. It was prophesied in, in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, that the virgin will be with child, and he will be Emmanuel, which literally means God with us. This is all a part of God's plan. But the first thing that we need to do is what Mary did. When we see God moving and we want to participate in God's plan, we have to respond with faith instead of being afraid. Point number two in your notes is simply this. Recognize that you can be a part of something bigger than yourself. Recognize that you can be a part of something bigger than yourself. You know, just yesterday, the Army and the Navy played in football, and uh, the Army um, had lost 13 times in a row. And you see thousands of thousands of people in the stands. And finally, the army wins. And you get people from the Navy, the stands coming out, and people from the army uh, coming out. And they uh, flood the field, and they're all rejoicing and excited. And it, they were a part of something bigger than themselves. If you've ever been to a basketball game or a football game or something huge, you're like, wow, this, this is something special. The difference is there's no eternal significance to those things. When God allows us to participate in his plan and be a part of something bigger than ourselves, there's always eternal significance. There's always gonna be a lasting impact because it has the opportunity to impact people forever. And so when God comes to Mary and says, Mary, I'm choosing you. Mary, you're, you're gonna birth, give birth to a son. His name's gonna be Jesus. He's basically saying, Mary, you're gonna be a part of something that big, that's bigger than yourself. And we have the opportunity to, when we say yes to God's plan, 
to be a part of something that's bigger than ourselves, that has an eternal impact. Now notice the five things that the angel said to Mary. Verse 31, first of all, his name will be Jesus. You can circle these in your notes, you can write them down. His name will be Jesus. In Hebrew, it's Joshua, it means savior, it means deliverer. It means that Mary is gonna give birth to the one that's gonna save the world, that's gonna save her. His name is gonna be Jesus. This is the long-awaited Messiah. Number two, he will be great. A better translation would be, he's gonna be extraordinary. There's nobody that's gonna ever compare to Jesus. There's no one like his name. There's no one that's gonna be remotely like the one that you're gonna give birth to. His, his name's gonna be greater. I mean, he is great. I mean, you put all the people that, that have ever lived, the, the smartest people in a room, Jesus is gonna be thousands and thousands of times smarter than them. You put all the greatest leaders in a room, Jesus is gonna be tremendously greater than any leader that's ever lived. You put all the, the famous athletes in a room, Jesus could dunk on top of anybody. That'd actually be fun to watch. Uh, he's, he's greater. He, he's gonna be great. Thirdly, he will be called son of the most high. Son of the most high. The Hebrew word is El Elyon, which literally means God most high, that Jesus is higher, that Jesus is just as high as God. Why? Because Jesus is God. Jesus is literally up there in the presence of God. There is no one greater and higher than the one that you're gonna give birth to. Fourthly, he will sit on David's throne. Mary, you need to understand that you're gonna give birth to a king. You're gonna give birth to a king. He's gonna be worshiped. He's gonna someday rule the world, not just Israel. And then fifthly, his kingdom will never end. Hebrews 12, 28 puts it this way. A kingdom that cannot be shaken in a world that is shaking. Think about it. Everything in this life can be shaken, can be busted. Homes can be shaken. They can crumble. Buildings, cars get rust on them. Everything deteriorates. The only thing that won't be shaken is the kingdom of God. Mary, do you understand that you have the privilege of being a part of something that's bigger than yourself? And that's one of the reasons why that God gave believers spiritual gifts through the Holy Spirit. That we have the privilege to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. That when we all come together and we embrace the gift that God's given us, that we have the part of being uh, something bigger than ourselves. The Bible talks about the foot and the hand, how we're all connected to something greater than ourselves. The hand can't function just by itself. The foot just can't function by itself. The head doesn't just function by itself, but when we come together, we function as the body of Christ. You need to recognize that you can be a part of something bigger than yourself. For me, the, the greatest thing in my life that I've experienced, as far as being a part of something bigger than myself, is, is this church. Is this church. Seeing God use Shelter Cove and the people of Shelter Cove to reach thousands of people for Jesus Christ it is so far beyond what I could do myself. Seeing people reached in the mission field, building, I don't even know how many homes we've built in Mexico, giving away things to the homeless, baskets for, for foster kids, 
Like these are things when we all participate, we have the privilege of being a part of something that's so much bigger than ourselves. First thing we need to do is respond with faith, even when we feel afraid. Point number two is recognize you have the opportunity to be a part of something bigger than yourself. Thirdly is simple, simply this, rely on the Holy Spirit. Rely on the Holy Spirit. The reality is, is all of us rely on, on something. All of us rely on something. For some of us, it's our, our experience. For some of us, it's our education. For some of us, it's our background. For some of us, in the morning, it's a cup of coffee, maybe five cups of coffee. For some of us, it's Christmas traditions. How many of you have some Christian tradi Christmas traditions? Christmas traditions that you do every year, yes. How many of you go out and cut down your own Christmas tree? Raise your, raise your hand. Some of you, good. How many of you go and purchase a live tree? Raise your hand. Good, and how many of you are like me and you put up an artificial tree now? Raise your hand. Yes, a lot of us. All right, I, I used to go and purchase a live tree and my wife and I would put it in that plastic base with those four different screws on the bottom. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Yes, those are of the devil, all right? I'm just saying it right now. I said it out loud. Marriage counseling goes up during Christmas because of those plastic bases. It just happens. I remember one year, it was the last year we put a tree in a base. I remember, Kelly's like, tighten the screw more. I'm like, I cannot tighten it anymore. And like two hours later, it was like leaned up against the wall in the corner. I'm kids, do not walk by quickly. Don't breathe in the room. If you've got to walk by, go on your tippy toes, right? That was the last year we used one of those bases and then I threw it away. No longer a Christmas tradition. Now, we don't even go out and buy a tree. I get it out of the box and I stand it up and all the branches just flop out. <laughs> and it's like, ta-da, no marriage counseling needed this year, right? And I think this year what I'll do, instead of putting all the ornaments away, I'm just gonna wrap it with saran wrap, just like this picture right up here. <laughs> We're just gonna do that, put it in a corner and I'm not gonna even need to get it out of a box. But we, we all rely on something. You know what Mary relied on? She relied on the Holy Spirit. She relied on what the Holy Spirit could do in her life. If we want to participate in what God's doing, which is a gift, it's not about what we can do. It's about what the Holy Spirit can do. Well, how do we live this way? How do we realize this? How do we recognize this? For, for me, when I sense God's moving and he's inviting me to participate or asking me to participate, I simply recognize before God, and I'll even say it out loud and I'll pray, God, I, I can't do that. God, me in and of myself, I, I can't lead that way. I can't speak that way. I can't teach that way. I can't parent that way. I can't serve that way. I can't give that way. But God, I know that your Holy Spirit can. So let your Holy Spirit do that in and through my life. I admit and I acknowledge that without the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm nothing. I'm nothing. But with the Holy Spirit, anything's possible. 
with the Holy Spirit, anything's possible. That's why in this passage, when the angel is talking to Mary, says, Mary, what's inside of you is of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, even your relative Elizabeth, though she was once understood to be barren, she's in her sixth month. Oh, no, just so you know, with God, all things are possible. If you've got verse 37 open in your Bible, would you circle that? Would you highlight that? Would you star that? That is one of the most meaningful verses in my life. Because what it does is it, it eliminates the reality for all of us where we say, you know what, God, it, I, that's, that's impossible. Because all things are possible. All things are possible. Say that right now. All things are possible. Not because of us, but because of the Holy Spirit. Now, not all things are probable. Let me just say that. It's not likely that you're gonna go into an Apple store this week and they're gonna sell you a PC, right? Probably not gonna happen. If they do, they're gonna get fired, right? I don't like cats. I'm not a cat lover. Sorry if I just offended you, all right? Uh, but this is not likely to happen when I get home into my house. I, I, this isn't gonna, our, our dog is not gonna be, that's just not likely, all right? I'm also not very flexible. Um, I have a hard time touching my toes. So you're not likely to go out in the parking lot and see me doing that. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not, not probable. Um, if Donald Trump did get a tattoo, it's not likely that this would be the tattoo that he gets, right? <laughs> Possible, but not probable, right? Drag with me. With the Holy Spirit, everything is possible. See, Jesus lived with the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit. It was the power of the Holy Spirit that allowed him to do miracles. It was the power of the Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. If Jesus relied on the Holy Spirit, we need to rely on the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that helps us live a godly life. It's the Holy Spirit that helps us be the people that God wants us to be. Are there times in life where God will ask us to do things that we cannot do ourselves? Absolutely yes. In fact, I love the way that Henry Blackaby says this. Notice the, the quote up on the screen. Will God ever ask you to do something you are not able to do? The answer is yes, all the time. It must be that way. For God's glory and kingdom, if we function according to our ability alone, we get the glory. If we function according to the power of the Holy Spirit within us, God gets the glory. He wants to reveal himself to a watching world. How different could your life be if you functioned with the power of the Holy Spirit? He said, I'm, I'm gonna quit relying on my own power, my own strength, what I'm capable of doing, and I'm gonna rely on what the Holy Spirit is capable of doing because with that, there's no limits to what God can do in your marriage. There's no limits to what God can do in your kids. There's no limits, you can fill in the blank. A.W. Tozer put it this way, in most Christian churches, the spirit is quite entirely overlooked. Whether he is present or absent makes no real difference to anyone. It's one of the greatest tragedies in the Christian church is that we have stopped relying on the power of the Holy Spirit. How do we participate in God's plan? First, we respond with faith even when we feel afraid. 
Second of all, we recognize that we can be a part of something bigger than ourselves. Thirdly, rely on the Holy Spirit. Fourthly, receive and live out an unchanging identity. An unchanging identity. See, the truth about identity is that once we understand it, we see ourselves who for, we're, who, for what we really are, and it changes the way we live. What was Mary's identity? How did she see herself? She responds after all this. She says, I'm the Lord's servant. Her identity was that she was a servant. What do servants do? Servants serve. For some of you today, the identity that you have is not the one that God gave you. It's the one that, that maybe others have given you. And if we're going to receive this, this unchanging identity, it's not one that we can just give ourselves. It's one that God gives us. It's a gift. It's a gift. Now, for some of us, we've been living with an identity based upon what people have said, words that come out of people's mouths, what we think we should be, instead of this identity that comes from Christ that never changes. Our identity is not based upon how much money we make. It's not based upon how much education we have. It's not based upon how gifted we are, what we don't have. Our identity is based on the precious blood of Jesus Christ. It's based upon what God has done for us. Our identity is in the gospel. What is the gospel? The gospel is the good news. If I could explain the, the, the gospel very simply and clearly, the gospel is that we are reconciled to God through Jesus Christ alone. I want to say that one more time, that we are reconciled to God through Jesus Christ alone. Anything other than that is not Christianity. And often we'll sway one way or the other. We'll often sway, you know what? It's based upon my works, my effort, uh, studying the scriptures a lot, uh, worshiping, attending church, trying to be good enough. No, it's not based upon anything that we've done. Or there's others that have said, you know what? I'm just too far gone. My life's too messed up. I've done some horrible things. Both of those aren't true. The gospel is based upon what Jesus Christ has done on the cross for all of us, period. See, what the gospel says to those two people is that there's nothing you could do any more or any less that would change Jesus' love for you. And we understand that, that we're a child of God when we surrender our lives to him, period. Nothing we could ever do, nothing we could ever say will ever change that. Or participate in what God's doing. Receive and live out an unchanging identity. Because this is what Jesus has done for us. It's up on the screens. Go ahead and throw it up there. Jesus is our Savior. He's our hope of heaven. He's our source of truth, our security, our healer, our friend, our comforter, our access to God, our Redeemer, our resurrection, our Master, our perfect love from God our fellowship with God, our wisdom and sanctification, our foundation, our sacrifice for sin, our victory, our comfort, our light, our example of love, our strength, our completion, our encouragement, our reason for joy, our peace, 
our reconciliation, our mediator, our ransom, our founder of salvation, our defender against Satan, our merciful and faithful high priest, our once and for all sacrifice for sin, our perfect forgiveness, our king, our advocate with the Father. That's who Jesus is, and that's what never changes. See, when we receive an unchanging identity like Mary, it allows us to participate in what God's doing. Point number five in your notes is this. Resolve to have God's word be the authority for your life. Resolve to have God's word be the authority for your life. Mary in verse 38 says, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Mary says, Gabriel, I know you're here on behalf of God. Let it be to me according to your word, which is ultimately the word of God. I'm in. I'm all in. If we're going to participate in what God's doing, which we have opportunities all the time, we have to resolve to allow God's word be the authority for our life. There were several times growing up where my dad and I, would, we would just have conversations about life. And I, I don't remember all of the conversations that we had. But I remember that there was something that my dad would, would be passionate about doing. We talk about dating. We talk about just relationships, finances, um, parenting. There's times when my dad would lean forward, have the Bible in his hand, and say, Jeremy, that's not what the Bible says. Jeremy, that's, that's not what the Bible says. Jeremy, that's, that's not what the Bible says. And again, I, I don't remember all the conversations. I do remember one where I was interested in a gal, and I thought, Dad, you know what? She's really cute, and she's not a Christian, but I'm going to lead her to Christ, and then maybe we'll see what happens after that. And my dad leaned over and says, Jeremy, that's not, not what the Bible says. The Bible says you're to be equally yoked. The Bible says that, you know, Jeremy, you really shouldn't date an unbeliever. There's Jeremy, missionary dating is not God's, God's plan. God wants you to marry somebody that loves Jesus with passion. And I'll, I'll never forget that, Jeremy. That, that's not what the Bible says. What my dad was saying is, Jeremy, you need to resolve to have God's word be the authority for your life. And that's what, that's what Mary and Joseph did. Mary and Joseph, both of them, were, were obedient to God's word. They were obedient to God's will. Now, now, just the context of this. Mary, 12 to 14, Joseph, 18 to 20, arranged marriage. They were betrothed. About a one-year engagement. The only way that that could be ended was through divorce or death. If, if they wanted to, to divorce, it wasn't, you just wouldn't give a ring back. I mean, there was, there was a... There was a bride price that had to be paid. Joseph or Joseph's father had to give money to, to Mary's father, most likely. And, and Joseph, when he heard all this, didn't, didn't want to just get the money back, didn't go after Mary. He was a righteous man. But, but, but to, to keep moving forward and to be obedient to God, again, they were risking what people would say. People would either, either think, you know what, they, they were intimate before marriage and this is horribly overlooked, or they would think that Joseph was hiring his wife, soon-to-be Mary, out as a prostitute. 
I mean, that, that was the stigma back then. And in the midst of all that, they said, you know, God, your will, your word, it has the authority for my life. Because when God's word is the authority for our life, God's word is the authority for what we believe. And it's the authority for what we do. I want to say that one more time. When God's word is the authority for our life, his word is the authority for what we believe and what we do. Five ways to participate in what God's doing, in God's plan. Number one, rely on the Holy Spirit. Second of all, respond with faith and don't be afraid. Thirdly, recognize you can be a part of something bigger than yourself. Fourthly, receive an unchanging identity. And then fifthly, resolve to have God's word be the authority for your life, making it personal, two things. Number one, God wants to use you. God wants to use you, regardless of your background, regardless of, of how long you've been a believer, regardless of even you're a believer or not right now. Maybe today is the day that you surrender your life to Jesus Christ. God wants to use you. That's what God does. He uses broken people. He uses messed up people. He changes us from the inside out. He did that with King David. He did that with, with Paul in the New Testament, somebody that was a blasphemer, somebody that was a, a murderer of Christians. God wants to use you. He's giving you opportunities to participate in what he's doing. Know that. Believe that. And then second of all, it's this. How will you participate in God's plan? How will you participate in God's plan? And maybe you're here today and the first thing that you need to do is just give your life to Jesus Christ and say, God, I wanna participate in your, your plan, your plan of salvation for my life, your plan for me for eternity. And God, I wanna I want give my life to you. Maybe it's reconciling, reconciling a relationship that's been hurt or damaged. Maybe it's saying yes to something that you've been saying no to for such a long time. How will you participate in God's plan this season? Let's bow and let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, thank you for the way that you work. Thank you that you invite us to participate in what you're doing. God, right now with humble hearts, for some of us, God, for so many months, so many years, we've seen you working, we've seen you moving, we've seen you knocking on the door of our hearts to invite us to participate in, in different areas of what you're doing. And God, for so many years, the, the answer's been no. But God, today, we just, we wanna say yes. God, we wanna say yes to you. We wanna say yes to the fact that we see you working in our marriage and we wanna get 100% on board. We see you working in our family. We wanna say yes and we wanna be involved. God, we see you working in our hearts right now and we say yes. Would you keep working? With all heads bowed, nobody looking around. But you're here today and you didn't realize when you walked in here that today would be the day that you got right with Jesus. That you would participate in this plan for your life. 
which starts with surrendering your life to Jesus. Jesus died on the cross for you that you may have life. You can't earn a relationship with God. You can't earn heaven. It alone comes through receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you're here today and that's the desire of your heart, you can do that through a simple prayer. It's not the words of the prayer, it's the attitude of your heart. It's something that goes like this. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, come into my life. Jesus, forgive me of my sin and make me into the person that you want me to be. I give you total control of my life and I wanna participate in what you're doing. With all heads bowed, nobody looking around. But if today that's your prayer and you want a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, would you just raise your hand? You've never prayed that prayer before, but today's the day. Say, I want that. Good, I see that hand. Good, I see that hand. You're here today and you're saying, you know what, I want a relationship with Jesus Christ. Good, I see that hand. Just look up at me wherever you're at. Look at me, if you, if you mean it, look at me in the eyes. Good, I see that hand. Is there anybody else today? Good, I see those hands in the back. Here today and I say, I, I want Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Last chance, just look up at me and raise your hand real, real high. Good, I see that hand over there. Good, I see that hand right here. Good, I see you. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for the hands that were raised because they represent hearts that have been changed. Help us to participate in what you're doing. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen.